Good evening. My name is Sean. I'm one of the associate pastors here um, over our men's ministry and our prayer ministry. And tonight we are celebrating baptisms. I hope by the end of the sermon that we would, you know, really cheer in it and really get excited about baptisms. Um, this evening, what we're going to be looking at is Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. Um, and really just want to kind of talk about baptism and how it is a beginning of beginnings. It's, as all things are being made new, as we are in that series, baptism really begins is a representation of things that have happened new in your life. And so what I'm I just want to kind of warn you a little bit. Um, we're, going, we're looking at Lamentations, and Lamentations is not always the easiest um, book to get into, so I just, I'm just going to give you a heads up on that right now. Um, but it's some really important implications that come because of baptism or the sign that it represents that I think that we can apply in two different areas. One, in our own personal life, and I think we'll see who many from history believe that Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations, how he applied a covenant right or covenant relationship that he has with God in his circumstances from a personal perspective. And then also just thinking kind of outward, not just like at ourselves, but at our community as a whole, um, what baptism begins to represent for um, those who are outside of the faith. And so um, let me read from Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your word. We are grateful for the truths that are contained there. I pray, Father God, that you will use me as a tool to communicate your message and that you will help us to receive the things that are from you in our hearts, that seed to be planted in our hearts to produce a hundredfold in our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen. One way of thinking of baptism is a representation or kind of uh, something very similar to circumcision that would have been found under the original covenant. Colossians chapter 2 verses 11 and 12 says, In him, meaning Jesus, in him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Christ having been the one who has done the work on the inside of your heart. And he circumcised your heart is, is what Paul is indicating there. Having been buried with him in baptism. In which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. Baptism is a. As many of you have heard, as many of you I'm sure have been taught if you went through the baptism class with um, Pastor Sean, um, it's, it's an outward sign of something that was inwardly done. It was the circumcision of your heart, similar to the original covenant that God had, had set up and that men needed to be bapt, or excuse me, <laughs> circumcised um, as a sign of that covenant relationship that he would walk out with them. Baptism in this new covenant that we're under, more of a spiritual circumcision circumcision that takes place and it begins to show our loyalty to God and it also is an an opportunity I believe also for God to say that these are my children publicly declaring that you are his children within the, the community of believers 
And so it's a tremendous, tremendous sign that we should all get involved with. If, if you've never been baptized and, you, and you, you are a Christian, understand that Jesus commanded it. Jesus said that you should be baptized. It doesn't confer salvation to you, but he tells us in the Great Commission to go and make disciples baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is something we've been commanded to do. And so as disciples, as ones who are followers of Christ, it becomes something that we do so that we identify with him and he with us. And so why are we looking at lamentations? Well, as I said earlier, I think that there are a couple of things, a couple of implications that come about because of baptism um, that we can take. And we can take them right here from, from, from this passage here in Lamentations chapter 3. Um, before we get to the implications, though, I do need to kind of let you know what was going on in, in, in this time and era and why Lamentations was written. Um, in 589 B.C., Babylon really began to um, siege Jerusalem. And in this um, battle um, that had taken place, it really wasn't a battle. Um, it's really what they call siege warfare. Um, Jerusalem had come under attack because their king tried to exert some muscle that he really didn't have against Babylon's rule. And Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar II, decided, you know what, I've had enough of this. I'm going to make sure these Jews never, ever do something, these Israelites ever do something like that again. Um, and so he begins to ransack the city. Now, siege warfare is really a hard, hard, I mean, war in and of itself is a hard thing. Siege warfare is where they set up outside of the city. And so outside the walls of Jerusalem, Babylon, they set up what some estimate like hundreds of thousands of men outside so that you could no longer leave the city to go out and, 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 and get your, your goods that you need from maybe from your farm. Um, to go and get food or, or anything else that you may need. If you didn't have it contained in the city, you're pretty much, as I would say in the streets, short. You're just coming up short. I mean, that's just the bottom line. And so they, they, they stood out there, and, 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 and because they had stopped the flow of any kind of trade, of anything going on, from 589 B.C. to 587 B.C., it was a slow starvation process that was taking place. That was going on inside of Jerusalem. Just to give you a taste of it, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just giving you a heads up, but you need to understand this. In Lamentations chapter 4, verse 4, the author writes, The tongue of the nursing infant sticks to the roof of its mouth for thirst. The children beg for food, but no one gives to them. Lamentations isn't uh, necessarily uh, an exact recounting of what took place during that siege, but it's a reaction. And, and lamentations is something, just as a quick aside, that I think we should all understand is laments or the, the crying out of pain and things like that, that God wants you to come to him, not go from him. He wants you to let him know of, of, of your hurts and your pains. He inscripturated it. He put it in the canon because it was important for us to understand that there are hard things that take place in your life. And, and Jeremiah, who was a prophet to Jerusalem or, or, or to Judah, he had been doing it for 30 years, telling them, please listen to me. Judgment is coming. The wrath of the Lord is coming. Please listen. Please listen. Please turn away from your rebellious ways. Because of his obedience to God, because of his will, well, his, he said that it was like a fire shot up in his bones. So it was something that he even felt compelled to do. 
But because he set truth before them, our first implication can be found here in Lamentations chapter 3. And that's how, it, how you deal personally. You can probably imagine, I mean, if you've read any of Jer- the book of Jeremiah, you understand that I mean, he was telling some hard truth to people in a lot of political power. And they did not like it. And so he was constantly um, spoken ill of. Um, he was thrown into prison. He was beaten. I mean, his life was, was really hard, a very hard life. In fact, God told him not even to get married because of all that he would go through. And so when, when you look um, at verse 16 in chapter, chapter 3, one of the things he says is, in, in talking about God and in talking about the pain that he's going through, he says, he, he has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Man, there are times in your life where there are things that go on, and we don't often talk about it amongst each other, but you may call a friend, someone that you find really close. As men, we, we tend to want to just lock it away, but there are moments in our lives, there are situations that arise that can, be, that can feel hopeless. And so when we think of baptism, which, which we typically would never do, baptism can become a sign that can really begin to bring in the sunlight of a new beginning for you. Here in verse 20, 22 is what um, Jeremiah did. He, he says, or actually let me start at 21. He says, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. What is he calling to mind? Well, the language that's used in verse 22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases, really speaks back to the covenant. It speaks to the relationship that he has with the Father, that, that, that how God has dedicated himself, that he would never leave him nor forsake him. He didn't say that times wouldn't be hard, but he said that he would be there with you. And baptism becomes a sign of that for us. If we can begin to see that, man, God cut a covenant with me. God said publicly, this is my son, this is my daughter. That no matter what the situation is, no matter how bleak, how hard it is, no matter if it's a government shutdown that lasts over a month, man, God has not left me, though it may feel like it. He had to remind himself of it. Baptism is a, is, is a sign for us that if we will honor it and if we will remember the time that you were baptized, that you will be able to gain from it the hope, the faith that is the substance of all things hopeful will begin to rise up in you. And maybe the situation doesn't change in a moment, but the light has come in to help you to understand that this will not always be like this. My God will not leave me here. This is what Jeremiah was able to, to pull himself together through such a hard time in his life after all of the ridicule and persecution for 30 years. But then to see the wrath of God and have to sit in the midst of it because he, he wasn't outside of the city when this was going on. And the pain and the anguish that he was able to see, he was able to look beyond just was, was in, in front of his eyes, beyond to something much greater. We, the just, shall live by faith and not by sight. But that just using that kind of language, just trying to change our words doesn't always help. It's understanding the covenant relationship that God has made with us, that he, 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 the blood of Jesus ratified for us. 
It's remembering our baptism. It's remembering that it publicly took place. That you can begin to to have a new way of gaining hope in such a dark and hopeless situation. Secondly, from a community aspect, I mean, the pain that Jeremiah witnessed as you work your way through the book of Lamentations, the pain that you witnessed there, it really, I mean, it's hard. It's hard because often we don't, we don't think of God this way. I mean, in particular with us living in Northern Virginia and most, I'm not saying all of us, but most of us live in a type of situation where, where um, our lights are on, we're able to eat, that we, we, can, we, we pursue comfort here. Many of us are able to pursue comfort because we, we, we're not at the poverty line. And in those situations, in, 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 in this type of environment, it's easy to, to just think about how God wants to bless me with something a little bit more than what I already have not with just the bare necessities. And so in our picture of who God is, we don't take into account that his wrath is real. We don't take into account that the warnings that he has for the people are real. And so we don't consider our communities. You know, I I had to repent. I, I hear all the time testimonies of Pastor D and her Harris Teeter ministry. And I go to Harris Teeter and I just want the, my milk and eggs and I want to get out of there. But I say that and I truly do repent. Because if you begin to understand what the people had to go through, the pain, when God lifted his hand, when he allowed the, the Babylon, Babylonian army to come in to, to lay siege to the to the city because they had rebelled they turned away they didn't want to hear truth baptism should be a sign that God really is still trying to pull people in to the kingdom of God that there is still an extension and expansion of his kingdom that is going on and so as we see people being baptized in in water in the name of the Father Son and Holy Spirit and in that name Jesus it should inspire us God's mercies are being renewed. And that each and every day that, that my uncle or my cousin or my coworker is waking up is a new day for them to possibly experience the mercy of, 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 of experiencing freedom from the kingdom of darkness. And that God has commissioned me to go out and be a part of his work as what he is doing as he is trying to draw people in away from the impending punishment of judgment day one day. Baptism becomes a reminder of that. It should inspire something in us about our community that it doesn't have to look the way that it does today. It doesn't have to look like that tomorrow. It can look different. Baptism should inspire us to recognize that our God is continuing to do a great work and that he is faithful to show up. He is faithful to walk with you at your job and and, and those times where we feel discomfort and, and, and we don't know exactly what to say, that God is faithful and that he will help you in this process, that he will give you the right words. Even if you stumble, he's still able to overcome that. But he wants us to partner with him. He wants us to love those who have been created in his image as much as he does. 
And baptism becomes a sign of that, of something new, a new way of looking at those who are outside of the fold, a new way of looking at those who are, who are rebellious to God, that we begin to see them, like it says in, in, in Luke, I think, 17, where Jesus gives the parable of the good shepherd, and he sees the lost shepherd. He leaves the, the, the lost sheep, he leaves the 99, and he, he goes after the one because he's lost. He doesn't attribute Low IQ. He doesn't attribute um, some type of political view that has made him that way. And they did, he, that, that particular sheep deserves to be lost. He says they, 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 they don't have the awareness of what's going on. And that is happening in your family. It's happening in, in your community with your children's basketball teams or, or football teams. It's happening in the high schools, at the hospitals. Those, there are people who are lost that God is sending out reminders. Go share this gospel. Go bring home new disciples. I want my family to be much bigger than it already is. But the time is not over. As I was um, preparing and, and looking at at um, these scriptures, one of the things that, that Jeremiah's plight kind of brought remembrance to or kind of pointed me back to was Isaiah 53. Whether personal or community, those implications that are there, we need to understand that Jesus understands what our situations are. We have to understand that. Isaiah 53 um, <clears throat> gives a, de a description of Jesus um, centuries before he's on the planet, um, but it's an accurate one. And it says in verse 2, For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. Whether in your own personal situation or as you begin to think about the community, here lies where our hope is, what baptism symbolizes. That Jesus took on our iniquities, our sins. He did that for us because of such great love that 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 we can't fully comprehend. And in turn, in, in response to that love, let's see baptism as a sign of the covenant that was cut through his life, through his blood, and allow hope to rise back up in those dark nights of the soul, of those moments that we are going through. Allow baptism to be a sign of that. Also, the pain that he, that he went through allows us to go to our neighbor and say, God understands. Jesus understands. He went through it himself while he was here on this planet so that you could be brought into something greater, so that you could experience the good life, the abundant life underneath the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And there's a kingdom of God that people are invited into. And baptism is a sign that God is still bringing people in. That there is more time available.
but we can't assume forever is that time frame. That there was a defined time that was coming. And then when it hit, people cried out. There was much pain and anguish, and they didn't hear the call. But there were some, I would assume, that believed but didn't share. Let that not be the testimony of us, that we didn't share to our community, that we didn't share the love that God has, not just the judgment, but the love that he is trying to bring us in. The free gift is eternal life, which is intimate relationship with the Father. God said to, that, that he is our exceedingly great reward. You can offer this reward to our neighbors at a Harris Teeter ministry, at a barbershop, in so many different places, in schools, in cafeterias. Allow baptism to inspire you as, as these folks are, are making their public declaration of what inwardly took place. Allow it to inspire you to go beyond just yourself and begin to share with others the great joy and the great jewel of gift that have been given to us through Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads. Is there anyone in here that maybe you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior? Maybe baptism hasn't been a sign for you. And so there's a disconnect in the message. You, you don't have the, the source of hope that Jeremiah was able to look back on because you don't know the type of relationship that God has made available to him. But I want you to understand tonight that you're being extended that opportunity. And if you would like to accept Christ as Lord and Savior, just ask that you would raise your hand this evening. I thank God that we're all here. We have relationship with God. So, Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your love and your care. We're grateful of the sign that we will witness this evening, that you are still doing a great work in the land, that you are bringing men and women back to yourself, that you are redeeming, that your mercies have been renewed um, each and every day. Thank you for that sign. Thank you that baptism can become the substance of, of the faith that's needed in hopeless situations to find the hope that can only come from you. We are grateful for your love and your care of us. In the name of Jesus.